0: This is Seth Essenson and you're listening to another episode of Straight Talk with NDFB. I am joined by a very special guest today that had the opportunity here a month or so ago to come in and speak to a group of NDFB staff and try to sit down and figure out how we could do some team building and better work together as a team. And I think that um, we're seeing the results from that already. This young lady is involved in a number of business aspects and really excited to to talk to Miss Callie Thorne today. Thank you for joining us today, Callie.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, Seth. And it's always good to hear when you guys are being able to implement some of the things that we were able to work on together and stuff. It was great getting together with you guys and being able to work on some things for that workshop.
0: So can you tell us a little bit about what, what you do with a personal coach? And then the neatest thing for me is you're also... Um, very involved in, in agriculture and have changed the way you guys are doing some of the things that you're doing on your operation, which, which we'll, uh, we'll cover after that.
1: Yes, definitely. No, I think I, I really think I've created the best of both worlds when it comes to work for me. So I'm a certified speaker, trainer, and coach with the John Maxwell team. And so really, it has a lot to do with personal growth, leadership. And so it might be one-on-one coaching for a client. I mean, I've got stay-at-home moms, I've got entrepreneurs, I've got leaders, managers, people who run organizations and stuff that I work with. Or like in your guys' instance, I do a lot of work with teams, organizations, businesses coming in and doing some leadership training for them and generating new ideas, just kind of getting people to the table to facilitate some training and then do some keynote speaking too, of course. And it's fun. Sometimes I'm in front of agricultural groups and sometimes it's groups who don't know a lot about that industry. But I always get to tie in leadership, which I think every most everybody would agree is such a vital thing living in the world we do today, that leaders have to be able to step up to the plate. And what's that look like? How am I personally growing myself to be the best version that I can be?
0: I know at the meeting you shared with us a very interesting uh, personal story about how you got your start in agriculture and how that looks now. Can you tell us a little bit? about how and where you got your start in the industry
1: yeah i actually i'm fortunate enough we grew up in the ag industry and so um my great great grandparents you know came over and homesteaded here and that's where it all began we actually i always tell people it's funny because we live now my husband and i've got three little kids we live in the house that my grandparents built And then when they moved to town, my mom and dad and my brother and I lived in that house for several years. And then now eventually, these last few years, my husband and I and the kids have been able to move into that house. So we're kind of third generation in that home. But very fortunate. My husband's from South Dakota and he moved up here, which isn't always as common for the guy to move, you know, where his wife is. And um, we've just been going ever since he moved up here. Cow-calf operation, feedlot, backgrounding operation, um, run yearlings. But that's, yeah, probably what we'll get into is how we we kind of pivot as needed, which is not always the easiest thing to do when you're in the livestock industry.
0: Right. So from when you guys first got started, I know you shared an an interesting story about how you you really took a hard look at what you've been doing. You've been involved with the cow calf operation, and and took a hard look at some of that stuff through a course in uh, I believe it was was it a, a ranching for profit course
1: mm-hmm. that yep.
0: that you guys took. Can, can you tell us a little bit about how that experience um, affected how you look at agriculture and how that's changed for you guys since you first got started?
1: Yes, definitely. So it is kind of interesting because we've always been just strictly cow-calf operation, you know, going looking decades back. But um, when my husband moved up here, we've probably been married, now I should know this, (laughs) about 12 years probably. When we first got married, he decided to build a feedlot. He was working in the oil field. We had some access to pipe and stuff to build Mm -hmm. the corrals and stuff. And so we just started a backgrounding feedlot. So that was something we created, and we've been taking in – whether it's our own calves, you know, it gives us options. If markets aren't where we want them to be, it at least gives us an option to keep them and feed them. Plus, we've been able to take in neighbors, friends, and stuff like that. We're at almost a 1,000-head capacity, and that's typically just in the winter months. But like mm-hmm. you said, we did. We went to South Dakota earlier this year Um I can't remember. It was probably January of 2021 here, and it was the Ranching for Profit School, and um, they really make you think there, which was fun. We knew what we signed up for. It makes you take a hard look at numbers, you know, really looking at the different enterprises you have in your operation, you know, so separating out. If we put up, hey, that's a separate operation. What's that costing us? What's cow calf operation costing us? We sell beef. We started doing that a little over a year ago. How's mm-hmm. that business going for us? I'm really breaking them all apart and looking at it. And we got home and I bet it was a month or two later and we had sold all of our cows. Uh, and so I'm sure some people thought we were kind of crazy. But when you see the numbers and you actually want to run it as a business, you sometimes recognize like, oh, this isn't working. So then I got to make the choice. Are we willing to change it? Which is easier said than done, right? Um, Right. But it's kind of funny, the long story, of course, because we ended up selling all the cows, um, which was great, sold them right off the place. Then we bought yearlings because we figured we would run yearlings this summer. Well, Mm -hmm. it still wasn't snowing and it still wasn't raining. And so that kind of backfired and we ended up sending all four loads of uh, yearlings down to South Dakota to a feedlot for the summer. So it's like, I think we just, you know, being in our young 30s, we just have a, a willingness to pivot, you know, being uh-huh. able to change things if needed, because we want to run it like a business.
0: It, uh, there's definitely been some some trying times, not only in North Dakota due to the, the weather and lack there of rain. We've had supply chain issues in much of the agricultural industry. And I would say Maybe even cheaply in, in beef going back to um, the processing plant issues that arose from COVID. Beef, we couldn't find it on, on the grocery shelves and we saw the price of beef ultimately, um, crash because of those supply chain issues. We saw, you know, $40 a hundred weight off of fat cattle at, at times and probably almost all of that in feeder calves. So that willingness to pivot, like you said, is an important aspect of business um, moving forward and I think that those issues are going to continue to present themselves. So I'd just like to ask you what you believe moving forward that the future of agriculture ultimately looks like and how do you think a young producer like yourself can can best fit into that picture?
1: Mm-hmm. No, that's a great question and and all of that is exactly why we ended up selling beef. You know, it was a uh, I think it's all in how you want to view things. I think the future of agriculture is bright, and I think that's what has helped make CJ and I so successful is how we choose to view things. We could very easily look at everything that's wrong, you know, not just right. in agriculture but in the world, right? We have a choice right. in how we want to view things. and we could say that this drought is is wrecking everything. We could say that the prices are hurting everybody, you know, but instead, we like to show up with, I guess, options and really look at what are our choices. And so I think if people approach it, realizing that, hey, I can be creative here, I can be innovative, what can I do to create or add value to our place or to add another enterprise? I think that's the game changer. And we've had a lot of people say that, like, well, you just, you're willing to think outside the box. And, and I just, I see so many opportunities. That's what I, I tell people a lot of the times is if you look around, there's so many opportunities around you, whether you're in agriculture or another industry or whatever it is. And if they're not there, go create them.
0: Absolutely. So you saw an opportunity and the lack of beef on the grocery store shelf to say, hey, I got uh, I got a feedlot. I've got plenty of, of beef on the hook. We're going to go out and we're going we're gonna to sell some of this because, even though the price on the board moving to the sale bar or moving through a, con- a you non-traditional know, contract with a packing house, JBS, or whomever <clears throat> is not all that great, we can form a partnership with a processor and and capture some of that profit opportunity and lack of supply that is actually seeing its way through to the grocery store shelf. So how did that look for you at CJ Cali?
1: I will always say CJ kind of has that intuition, that forward thinking. He's very good Mm -hmm. at that, looking ahead of what's coming down the pipelines. And that's what it was in around April of last year, April 2020, when all those things you said, right, cattle were getting backed up, processors were closing or they were shut down, grocery store shelves were being empty our prices were low, where other prices were skyrocketing. I mean, it was just like this perfect storm. And of course, if you guys remember back, I was at that point, we've got three little kids, two of them are in school, but of course I was homeschooling them at that point. So it was a little bit crazy, but I remember one night CJ looked at me and he just said, I think we should start selling beef. And I know that I didn't respond to him because I thought, are you kidding me? Like, I'm trying to keep my business afloat, like trying to figure out how do I do these trainings when I'm at home and are any of them going to hold? I'm homeschooling, you know, all of this stuff going on. Mm -hmm. And within a couple of weeks, we had, you know, registered with the state. We ended up getting our retail license so that we were able to sell beef directly to the consumer. And this is the interesting thing where we really pivoted is we had connections with feedlots in North Dakota, and they Mm -hmm. weren't getting their fat cattle sold because everything was getting backed up. And so we Mm -hmm. knew they were in trouble. And so we actually bought a few pot loads of steers that were ready to be butchered. And then we had them butchered up in Williston, which is where we did most all of our processing, because that's the funny thing. In my mind, when my husband said we should sell beef, I thought, well, let's try it. Let's butcher five animals, maybe 10, see if we can get them sold. And he rolled in the yard with 40 head of fat steers. And I was like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> we're, we're doing this like big. Um, so the rest is kind of history. Uh, we look back at last year and we almost can't believe what we ended up doing, what we created. Um, wow. And just the price difference. If we were to just have stayed cow-calf, you know, and try and sell calves for what they're worth mm-hmm. versus what we could make selling a finished product directly to the consumer. And mm-hmm. the fact that the consumer is saving money. You know, if they went to the grocery store to buy all these individual cuts, you know, separately versus buying bundles from us. So it was mm-hmm. just a complete win-win for everybody all around. But last year from April to December, and this was taking two months off, we ended up working with over 200 families. And it was a little over 100 animals that we butchered and, and had sold. So. Wow. Yeah, good connections all go. <clears> We've got return customers and we did have a really good relationship, built a really good relationship with a federal processing plant up in Williston so that we could consistently every week be taking, sometimes it was eight to 10 head every week up there to them.
0: Wow. Wow. That's uh, really what you call taking lemons and making lemonade. Um, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it really is. So congratulations to you what do you see as the biggest challenges in agriculture moving forward and then i would i would paradox that on the flip side with what what do you see as some of the biggest opportunities in agriculture moving forward cali
1: challenges i think it's just sometimes those basic things that we always like to unfortunately we focus on sometimes too much Mm-hmm. Like the market prices, you know they're mm-hmm. not what we want them to be, or the weather. it's sometimes we often look at those things that we can't control mm-hmm. we could we could easily look at government in all honesty too, and what policies are being handed down or new rules or restrictions being handed out and stuff
0: changes in administration th- definitely
1: yeah yes, yeah. <laughs> and but I think though too, at the same time it's it's all again, this is probably where my coaching and leadership training comes in for us though is we can sit and look at those things that we can't always control. You know, we can have influence on some of those things, but instead looking at what are those endless opportunities that are out there for me? If I can't control what the markets are going to be, there are some things that I can do though. You know, what are some of the things that I can look at hedging or looking at markets or, Mm -hmm. you know, different things like that. How can I try and make money in different ways? If, if we put up a bunch of hay, is it going to be more worth it for me to sell that hay? Even in a drought year when I need the feed, am I willing to pivot and sell the hay as a business decision and then have to do something else with my cattle? I mean, it's just really, I think, almost trying to give yourself all those different perspectives and options and being creative. Like, well, we've never done that before. We need this. We have to do it this way. This is how dad or grandpa did it. Right. But sometimes, in all honesty, I look and I say, but how did dad and grandpa do like right. did they enjoy life was it fun what were their priorities and I think that's where everybody has to sit back and look at those things too like how do you want to live your life what do you want it to look like because we can keep things the same or if things need to change are we willing to
0: so um tying all that together how do you think moving forward the young farmer after the future looks like the top 20 percent, if you will of producers what do they look like moving moving forward? But mm-hmm. flexible, yeah. maybe. I, exactly. Willing really like to pivot through some of the, mm-hmm. you know, through some of the questions, you know, the comments that you've made. How does that look for you guys? Because you, you meet you, you're dynamic. You're, you're very objective in your analysis. That I, I can see. Obviously, you're willing to take a look at everything. You'll, you'll take the parts of the sum, and you're willing to shuffle things around. And, and to me. You are the farmer, and I have not had the pleasure of meeting CJ yet, but definitely from the the, the explanations that you've given me this morning, you guys are the, the farmer and rancher of the future. So how do you think that looks moving forward?
1: I think part of it, too. I mean, yes, everything that we've touched on, being creative, being innovative. I know sometimes the hard part for some is it, it is a family operation or it's different mm-hmm. generations working, too. And so it's like, well, I've wanted to do this or, or Kids are maybe getting out of school or they or they have a different idea 10 years down the road, but dad doesn't think we should do it or grandpa's never done it type thing. And so I think it's being able to have those conversations. And um, I don't know if I should say this or not, but I, I've toyed with the idea of even being open to coaching families to be able to have these conversations of, how are we passing this on to the next generation? You know, what is our willingness to have these hard conversations or even being open? You know, it's all about, well, I think this way, but I think this way. You know, how can we better communicate on our operations so that it's, I mean, don't we all want it to be successful? Whatever that looks like. That might be a financial goal. That might be a, a certain number of cattle on your operation. I mean, I think sometimes We've all got such full plates. It's hard to slow down and really work on the business, you know, working on the business versus working in the business, which is something we learned at Ranching for Profit. And we just don't always sit down and look at those numbers. We don't sit down to have conversations on how we could be more innovative or how open are we to hearing a younger generation talk about what their idea might be. And I think something that's helped CJ and I quite a bit too is being open to having conversations with lots of our friends older or younger than us and Mm -hmm. saying, Hey, what are you guys doing? Or, Hey, what do you think about this idea? We thought about doing this. How crazy is it? Do you think it could work? And I think when you've got some pretty tight people, whether they're mentors or just good friends who you really know and trust in this industry, when you can bounce ideas off of each other, I think that can make a big difference too, versus trying to just go it alone thinking that this is just our business, we have to make it or break it. And then we put all that pressure on ourselves. You know, we've seen right. that for generations. And it's, it's not a fun thought to have that. If I mess up as a new generation trying to run this operation or this ag business, what if I lose it all, you know, and that's, that's where that mental health piece comes to play in as well. And so what can we do to try and make things flow better and, and make it a fun, like we say, it, it's a way of life, right? But how right. often are people enjoying that way of life? We we love it. And I think you have to be able to create that though.
0: Well, I think that's a great answer. So how do our listeners find you, Callie? I'm I'm hungry. I wanna I wanna steak. I need to I need <laughs> you to sit down with I need you to sit down with my dad and my mom and, and offer some of this <laughs> right. perspective to them. So how, how do we find you as, as both a coach and, and you and CJ as entrepreneurs that are that are offering some of the highest quality beef? quite honestly, produced in the world here in, in North Dakota at, mm-hmm. at basically wholesale prices directly um, to the consumer through uh, a USDA inspected and, and processed facility in Wilson, North Dakota.
1: Right, exactly. So this is where I sometimes laugh because people say, what's your website, Callie? And I said, I have so much work coming to me every day. I don't need a website. Right. <laughs> but I will tell you, you guys can find me on um Facebook, though, we do have a Facebook page for kind of our ag side of things, beef business, ranch life, all of that. That's um, Triangle M Ranch and Feedlot. So they can find us there. Or I've also got one more geared towards my leadership training and stuff, and that's Pioneering Mm -hmm. Legacy. And then, of course, you can always reach me. My email is thornleadership at gmail.com. And I'm always open to calls and texts. Um, My cell phone, 701 770 1351. So, yeah, people can find me a variety of ways Instagram at Callie Joe Thorne. Yeah, I've got a lot more links and stuff on those sites as well.
0: Great, great. Thank you so much for your time today. Can't tell you how much I appreciate it. This has been another thought provoking episode of Straight Talk with NDFB. And thank you so much to our guest, Callie Thorne. Um, And and congratulations on, on all the successes that you have found over the course of the past few years on being willing to to pivot and, and take a look at things objectively from the sounds of all the things that you said, see where your time is most valuable to them.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly, well, I appreciate you having me on Seth and getting the opportunity to share with others.
0: Thank you so much. Have a great day.